This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. This is News Talk 980 CKNW. And just after 5 o'clock, we are back at it on your Sunday afternoon. The employment hour is here, and lo and behold, look who is back in the chair controlling things. Long time, my friend, Leah Moody from the firm, back in action. How are you? I'm back. Thanks, John. Good to be back. How is motherhood? Oh, it's good. Thank you for asking. It's been a while since I've been on the radio, but no, motherhood's good. Thanks. For a new mother, you sound incredibly spry and energetic, which is shocking at this point, to be honest. Secret is lots of caffeine, John. Lots (laughs) and lots of caffeine. (laughs) Well, like we do with Lior here on the uh, radio every Sunday afternoon, we're getting into a lot of stuff as it comes to employment law, how it affects your job when it comes to your severance, losing your job, uh, maybe getting that new job or switching to a job or dealing with a boss, harassment, all kinds of things to get through as we always do but we start every show with the week that was so uh lay it on me girl what do you got absolutely and you know as you indicate it's been a while since i've been here with you on mm-hmm. the employment hour on this show and in case it's been a while for our listeners too or even if this is your first time listening in and you don't know what the show is all about as john said it's about employment law and more to the point it's about you you as an employee or you as an employer even, and employment relationships, workplace rights. So if something has happened to you in the workplace, if you've been asked to sign a contract, if you've recently been given an offer letter or a termination letter, if you're being harassed or bullied, or even if you're just being asked to relocate to Dawson Creek, it's important that you have an understanding of your rights. It's important that you give us a call, either on air in the next hour, we're here for you, or off air and speak to a lawyer, speak to me, and I can tell you definitively what your rights are and what those entitlements are. And to start us off, to get us warmed up, we do have this little segment called The Week That Was. And this is really just a a little snapshot of the work that I do during the week as an employment lawyer on real cases that come across my desk. Um, This past week, John, I spoke to a gentleman who was contacting me on what initially seemed, they always do, like a very straightforward and simple matter. Uh, He had worked with the company uh, a while back, and he had this outstanding invoice that he'd billed to the company that wasn't paid. Um, He'd worked some... I think 80 odd hours for the company, right. uh, invoice them first time and then just didn't receive compensation for those hours. Now, clearly that's illegal. Generally, you have to be paid for the hours that you work. And uh, none of the you know standard exceptions applied to this particular individual. So I told him he absolutely has a claim for those outstanding earnings and that we could help him recover them. However, before we got off the phone, I asked him whether or not he was still working for the company, and if not, whether he was paid any severance. He told me that the company terminated his contract six or so months ago and that he wasn't paid anything. But he says he knows that you don't get any severance when you're an independent contractor, which is how he understood his his, uh, work to be characterized. Now, he is, and you know this, John, of course, correct. If you are a true independent contractor, you aren't, strictly speaking, entitled to severance unless your contract says you are. But you know and I know that just because the company calls you an independent contractor, Mm -hmm. just because you invoice your time, just because you're incorporated, does not legally make you an independent contractor and does not, by a long shot, mean that you aren't entitled to severance. So I did some more digging, dug out my inner Aaron Brockovich, and it turns out that although he did call himself an independent contractor and his offer letter said he was an independent contractor, 
he would actually legally be considered to be an employee. And he asked me, you know, how I figure this. And to figure that out, John, we, we take a look generally at two things, control and integration. Okay. So if you don't have a lot of control over your work, so the company sets your schedule, sets your rate of pay, it tells you who your clients are going to be, and you're fairly integrated with the company, so you've got company cards, the you know company employees report to you, you use company tools, it's more likely than not that a court would call you an employee and not an independent contractor, which entitles you to severance. Um, it actually really doesn't matter at all what you call yourself. And this particular gentleman set his own rate of pay, but he also had a company uniform. He sat at a desk and he used a computer that was provided for by the company. He came to work when the company told him to, and he was even enrolled in the company's benefits plan, actually. So this is clearly an employee, and he was clearly entitled to severance when he was fired. So now what started as a claim for an outstanding invoice has turned into this claim for the outstanding invoice plus six to eight months of severance. And these situations are so fact-specific. They're so unique to the person and their unique relationship with the company that it's hard to give any kind of general advice on this topic other than to say, if your employer has let you go, and had said that they do not owe you any severance because they think you're an independent contractor. And even if you think you're an independent contractor, give us a call. Give us a call, and we can make sure that you're not leaving money on the table that you've earned as an employee. And so, you know, I mean, it, it's it's probably done so many times by employers, not with any malice, because they, like the employee who's just like on, let go, might not know the difference. They no, might not know what they're doing wrong. Oh, I don't think it's, I don't actually rarely think it's done with any yeah. malice. I think that a lot of people think that, you know, if I call myself this and if we agree to call my right. work this, then that is what it's going to be. But a court is going to look beyond what you call it, and they're going to look at the various factors of your working relationship to decide whether or not you're an employee or whether or not you're a contractor. What else you got going on? So the second case that uh, came across my desk this week that I thought would be of interest was a bit simpler, but no less confusing. And I find is <laughs> never is, uh, and I find is actually cause for a lot of confusion and misunderstanding. And that is with respect to the short service employee. Yep. And by that, John, I mean employees who have been working for a company for less than two years, roughly. Uh, unfortunately, most of the time I encounter this confusion is. In retrospect, it's uh, it's after they've signed the paperwork and are talking to me about their termination when yeah. there's nothing I can do about it anymore. And you know how we feel about people signing things before they get legal advice. Please, please, please speak to a lawyer before signing anything that your employer gives you. It's so important to remember that a company is almost never going to give you something to sign because it benefits you. They're not doing it for you. Uh, but that's not what I wanted to talk about. I'm getting a bit derailed. This this particular woman in this case yeah. called me because her friend had heard us on the radio and said, just give them a call. It's no loss to you. Just make sure that the company is giving you everything that you're entitled to. Yeah. And honestly, this this woman almost sounded embarrassed to be phoning me. She kept apologizing for taking out my time. But, you know, of course, that's that's what we're here for. We're here to talk to you and to, to make sure that you're getting everything that you're entitled to. But this, uh, this woman tells me that she was employed by the company for only nine months and she was given a week of severance. Of now, course. if she'd, of course, if she'd had a contract that limited her to her minimum entitlements under the BC Employment Standards Act, this would actually be all that she's entitled to. But in her case, in this case, she didn't. 
There was no enforceable legal contract in place, which means she's entitled to notice under the common law. And common law notice is different from and often much more generous than your severance entitlements under the Employment Standards Act. And when it comes to short service employees in particular, our courts in BC say that employees who have been employed for less than two years are entitled to disproportionately longer periods of notice with a floor, so a bare minimum of about two to three months of common law severance. So imagine this individual surprise when she calls thinking, you know, I'm going to tell her one week is more than enough and she should take it and run. And it turns out that she's entitled to significantly more than that. So now I've started some informal negotiations with the company on this woman's behalf, which uh, so far are going very well. And uh, I'm confident that we'll be able to give this individual some comfort and uh, some security in this period of unemployment, even though she was ultimately only employed for the nine months. Why is it they're, they're, they're taken care of disproportionately better than lawn service employees? Yeah, so it's a good question. And and if you think about it through, it, it actually makes a lot of sense because severance is oftentimes seen as a reward for a certain duration right. of service. But that's not how our courts look at it. Um, severance is provided to you in order to help bridge you from one job to the next. So it's there to help you survive until you find other employment. So in order to determine how much severance you're entitled to, we try to figure out how long you're going to be unemployed. Um, our courts, rightly, I think, have said that Employees who are there uh, for short periods of time have on their resumes this short period of time, and that may not be as attractive to prospective employers as other candidates. You know, you may have companies asking, what, you know, what's wrong with this person? Why were they only yeah. there for such a short period of time? Did they quit, which may indicate a lack of loyalty, or were they fired, which, you know, can indicate a, a lack of ability to in some employers? And these employees also don't even have reference letters, you know, because they weren't really employed for long enough to have the employer to have a very strong opinion about them. So they really are at a disadvantage in the job market, and and they're entitled to longer notice because of that. We'll take a a short break. Phone calls, you have questions for Leah over the next uh, hour, at least up until 6 o'clock. We'll take them. The number is 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. You want to get a hold of uh, Lior or Leah anytime outside of show hours, VancouverEmploymentLawyers.ca and Lior, L-I-O-R, at EmploymentHour.com. We'll continue right here with the Employment Hour, News Talk 980, CKNW. And right back out of here at uh, 520 on your Sunday afternoon slash evening. Leah Moody here from the firm taking over the show. Uh, in that regard, lots of stuff to get through here. Uh, Leah, we'll get to employees' rights when a business is sold. Always get questions on this. I know you do at the firm, you, Lior, and the rest of the uh, rest of the team there. But i uh, got some calls coming through first. Uh, we'll get to Al calling in tonight. Hey, Al, what's, uh, what's going on with you? Uh, hi. Yeah, I was uh, working for an employer that uh, put an app on my phone and I would check in in the morning and check out at night. And this app required that I turn my location on. And after work, I'd shut the location off, but then I would find my location getting turned on again when I go to clock in in the morning the next day. So there's a talk of the uh, construction manager following people around with this app. And then he photographed me after work hours and texted me the photograph, and he goes, look familiar. And uh, so I made a complaint uh, to my employer about it, and uh, I got terminated for making the complaint. said that I was being childish complaining about this guy uh, photographing me after work hours. Wow. Uh, is there any uh, 
recourse. Like, I tried this Freedom of Information, look that direction. They said that I have to go and write to them or write to the employer to get the legal basis for them to even have this tracking app on my phone. Do you know anything about this? I mean, no, I've honestly never heard of anybody being tracked via an app before. Um, there's lots to uncover here, Al. Um, but first, how long ago were you terminated? Uh, terminated on Tuesday. Oh, so just last week. Well, just last week. Okay. Yeah, and I was getting harassed by this guy kind of heavily, and you know, I kind of expected an apology for him harassing me after work hours, but instead, you know, it just went tenfold on the pressure coming from him via the form and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, well, let's let's cover that first because with respect to harassment in the workplace, you cannot be terminated. You cannot be punished as an employee for raising, uh, you know, complaints of harassment in the workplace. An employer has a legal obligation to review that and to deal with it such that you are no longer subject to harassment in the workplace. Um, You being terminated because you've made that complaint is illegal on its face. Um, Now, did they offer you any severance? Oh, no, I haven't collected all my pay off of these people yet. Uh, You know, they... And they're still lent to me for the holiday pay and, and you know, whatever my last pay period was. Well, Al, it kind of sounds like they're making a mess of this all around. Um, yeah. How long were you employed with them? About uh, well, half a year. I never missed a day and I was never late. Okay. Uh, and um, what was your position with the company? I'm a uh, British Columbia trade qualified uh, construction worker. Okay. And uh, and how old are you, Al? I'm 57. 57. Okay, so I don't know if you heard the segment that I just that I just did, but short service employees such as yourself, unless you've got a contract, which I'd like to take a look off a look at off the air, um, you're entitled to to considerable severance. We're looking at about two to three months, plus some possible additional damages because they. It seems like they terminated you because you made this complaint of harassment in the workplace and what they should have done was was handle it internally such that you could continue working there without being followed and having your location turned on uh, in your personal time. So I, I strongly urge you, Al, give me a call off the air. Uh, we'll review this in some more detail, but you're certainly entitled to severance and I think you're at least looking at about two to three months, uh, like I said, plus some possible additional damages on top of that. But I'd also like to look into this uh, freedom of information angle onto it, because if there's employers out there that are putting this app on people's phones and mm-hmm. being nefarious with it, uh, I think that should also kind of have a look at. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, apps, this kind of technology is very new to employment relationships. And, you know, there's still a lot that the law needs to catch up on with respect to all of that stuff. But um, we can definitely talk about and see how that uh, factors into your claim. Uh, We appreciate uh, Yeah, I'll give you a number here, Al, for you to follow up on. And we appreciate your uh, your call here tonight. That number is 604-283-3123. Again, Al, 604-283-3123. I mean, that is a classic case that you and Lior talk about, an employer pulling the trigger way too early on an employment. I mean, that that just does not rise to cause, right? I mean, I'm just, I'm shaking my head over here. I mean, it it doesn't just give rise to cause, but you can't even terminate somebody on a without cause basis because they've made uh, those allegations of harassment, right? (laughs) So they're just, yeah. and if he's got outstanding pay and who knows what else is in there. So this is just, 
this is the kind of stuff I love. So yeah. I hope Al gives me a call and, and we can help sort it out for him. 604-280-9898. Got a couple minutes here. We'll get to uh, we'll get to Robert. Hey, Robert. How are you, pal? Not bad. How are you today? Good. What's, uh, what's, uh, what's your concern? Lee is there. I made an arrangement, an agreement with an employer. Uh, was not an employee at this time and, and came in, had a chat with him. We had an agreement. Um, and so on my day off, I did a day's labor for this fellow. Um, and the agreement was uh, after hours of my regular job. I would then come to their place and maybe do two or three hours, four hours uh, in the evening. And when I arrived to do that, of course, everyone's washing up to finish the day. So that agreement went right out the window and no notice of that of any kind. Um, it took three weeks to get a paycheck out of this guy. Um, when I made the deposit, of course, it's 10 days for the check to clear. And after that 10 days, it came back um, unable to find the account. So the check was written on a U.S. account. That account had been closed for a period of time. And uh, I got stuck with... Uh, the conversion of the cash, having to take it back out of my account, plus the charge for the NSF. And uh, I went back to the employer. Um, of course, the employer wasn't there. I had to deal with the office people and told them I'm not interested in messing around with this. I'll just take yeah. it to the RP and let them deal with the fraud case. So um, eventually, uh, they found out uh, what the check stub was. They were going to issue me another check. And... Uh, then the employer himself called me back, was quite agitated, upset, used a lot of foul language, calling me names. Um, I had done nothing wrong. I simply wanted to get paid for my day's wages. And um, now he was calling me a piece of, you know, um, yeah. and I'm not going to get at all. Um, that's the way it is. He's not paying me. Uh, okay, so I mean that's that's about as straightforward as as they get, Robert. Um, if you've worked for this guy and he's not paying you for those hours, you are entitled to be paid. And and more to the point as well is that if this is all for the same company, if this is all for the same employer, and he's recently reduced your hours such that you're not earning the same uh, income that you were before. So what it was, okay, we we made an agreement. I, I only ended up working one day. And he reneged on the co uh, agreement, the deal, whatever it is that we made, that I would come in after my regular job to put in a few hours at his location. This is all to see if maybe I'm going to work out with the company or whatever. And as it turns out, obviously, I'm not working out. Okay. So one day that I did. Okay. But, I mean, if those, were, if those were hours that you put in, if that was money that you earned, you're entitled to that. There's no two ways about that. Um, you know, if, if if it's one day, there's um, there's the civil resolution tribunal in BC, which is uh, is very easy to access as an individual. You don't necessarily need a lawyer for that. I'd be happy to help you if you needed to. But the civil resolution tribunal is for matters that are for five thousand dollars or less. Uh, it's very straightforward. It's quick. Um, and, and it's of little to no expense to you. So that might be an avenue that you want to pursue if there's outstanding wages that you've earned. Of course, there's also the Employment Standards Branch, which you can, uh, which you can make an application at as well. Okay. Robert, I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to put you on hold just for a sec, Robert, and we're going to take a uh, short break here. And if you want to leave the, uh, the number with our, our screener, that's good. We'll follow up with that. And the number for you, 604-283-3123. That's to get a hold of Leo or Lior at the firm or Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. We'll take a short break and right back to more of it. This is the Employment Hour right here, News Talk 980 CKNW. 
And every Sunday at 5 o'clock, of course, right till 6, an hour of the Employment Hour right here on CKNW and sitting comfortably in our studio. Of course, Liam Moody, welcome back to the show. It's been some time back from motherhood, doing a phenomenal job answering your calls, taking your emails, and uh, leaving you the number to call after the show as well, 604-283-3123 or Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Our phone callers, our callers, of course, have top priority as always, so we'll get right back to it. Got uh, Luke on the line. Luke, good evening. How are you? What's going on with you? Hi, how are you doing today? Good, sir. What's your concern? Excellent. Um, I was just wondering uh, what, what happens in the case of interviewing for a job and going to, to, to accept the offer. And as soon as you start working there, you realize what you interviewed for and what you're actually doing are completely disjoint. Right. Yeah, that's actually come up a lot more than, than you might imagine. Um, so is this, was this an ad you responded to? Like there, was there a job ad that outlined the job that you were applying for? Uh, no, I was actually headhunted. You were headhunted, so you were headhunted away from another job? Yes. I mean, luckily I rectified the situation and I left the employer that kind of misled me as to what I'd be doing and I've gone back to the previous employee. Oh, that's good. Employer. So, you know, I, I saw the situation myself, but I was just wondering, like, what what can people do to, like, protect themselves or what what kind of, you know, recourse is there for that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you've you've taken care of the situation yourself. But in terms of just having that information for you going forward, if you respond to a job advertisement, if you interview for a job and you're offered a job on specific terms that looks a certain way and you accept that employment uh, and then you start it and it's something completely different, that's that's a termination. That's essentially a constructive dismissal. Um, it, it's not just you know misrepresentations, but it means that you've essentially been terminated and you're entitled to severance. Now, in your case, um, if you had left prior employment um, be, to accept this new job and it was completely different, you would be entitled to severance based on how long you were with the prior employer as well. Now, because you went back to work, you've essentially mitigated your damages, which means that you don't have any severance to speak of. But um, in the future, for any of our other listeners who are uh, listening, who are in comparable situations, um, that is essentially what that means. They can't do the old bait and switch. Um, That's exactly what it was. Ex- it was a bait and switch. Exactly. And, and they can't do that. Now, if, unfortunately, Luke, I mean, you were wise to it. You got out and, and you were able to, as you say, rectify the situation as soon as you could. But I recently spoke to a gentleman who was in your exact same shoes and um, and kept working in this role and he called me you know six to eight months later and I had to tell him that there was nothing that I can I could do for him because if you've been in this switched role for that long you are deemed to then have accepted it so the best thing that you can do is that as soon as you realize that something is amiss something is a bit different give a lawyer a call give me a call uh, and we can we can figure out how to get you out of this and uh, and earning some money Okay. Thanks. Excellent. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome, yeah. Luke. Luke, moving forward, uh, thanks for your call. Here's the number, 604-283-3123, if that ever goes back again. Did Luke go back to his former employer? We just found another job and got out of there quick. It I sounds like he, he just went back to his former employer, so I guess now, they if, missed him, which is great. Now, if it, like you said to him, he could have got, uh, you know, got severance from the new employer. Now, if he had worked for the old one for... I don't know, 15 years. We don't know how long he worked with the former employer. The new employer who misled him, they would be on the hook for all of that, would they not? Yes, they would. Yeah, there's generally this concept of inducement, right? So if you've been been gainfully employed for a long period of time with one employer 
and uh, and you're headhunted or somebody approaches you and they say, you know, come over to us, come over to the to the bright side and here's all this money and here are all these promises and uh, and then you you quit. You quit that long-term job for that opportunity and you're terminated shortly thereafter, which is essentially what a bait and switch could be. Right. Um, you're entitled to severance and the fact that you gave up those 15 years with your prior employer will form part of your severance determination uh, from your severance entitlements for the new company. Because you were happy and comfy. You wouldn't have left otherwise, so they should pay up. I guess it makes just logical sense, right? Exactly. Exactly. Want to get into this, Leah? Employee rights when a business is sold. So we'll get into some of these because this is stuff that most people don't know about. So we enlighten them here on the show. When a business is sold, do the employees automatically get severance? Yeah, so you're right. I mean, this is a topic that has come across my desk a a lot lately. It's been coming up quite a bit, and and a lot of people don't know uh, what what their entitlements are, what what their rights are, what their obligations are, because there are some. (laughs) Um, So when a business is sold, do the employees automatically get severance? And the short answer is no. There's no automatic entitlement to severance in that situation. But there is, of course, a longer answer as well. And that starts with, uh, it depends. It depends. <laughs> Classic lawyer answer. Right. <laughs> it, it, it depends first and foremost on what kind of sale it is. So there are two kinds of sales that it can be. A sale of the company's shares or a sale of the company's assets or, of course, both. You can have sale and assets as well yeah. or shares and assets. Sorry. If there's, a, if there's a sale only of the company's shares such that the owner of the company changes but the identity of the employer is essentially the same mm-hmm. – then the buyer company simply inherits all of the selling company's assets and liabilities, and that includes the employees. Um, A share purchase agreement can happen without employees even knowing that it's happened, technically speaking, because everything essentially continues uninterrupted, besides maybe the name on the paycheck. Right. Uh, In this case, there's no termination of employment, and there's no entitlement to severance. If the buyer company later terminates any of the employees, the buyer owes severance based on the entire time that the employee was employed. It's, it's easiest to think of it as the buyer company just stepping into the shoes of the selling company. Yeah. Nothing really changes. Yeah. So in Talking that, about it. Sorry, go ahead. No, yeah. no. I was just going to say, so in that case, there's, there's no entitlement to severance. What happens to an employer's seniority then if a business is sold and then they continue working? Say, like our last call, you've been there for 15, 20 years, even more. Well, nothing. Nothing happens to your seniority. Yeah, I know. It's pretty sweet. If (laughs) if your employer sells your business and you continue to work, regardless of the type of sale and what kind of offer was made, uh, nothing happens to your seniority. As long as you don't specifically and explicitly agree otherwise, your seniority carries through. And if it ever comes to pass that you're terminated by the buyer company, they'll owe you severance based on the entire duration of your employment and not just from the point of sale. Now, on the point of, um, of the type of sale that it is, if the transaction is structured as a sale and purchase of the assets of the sale- selling company, um, then when the deal closes, the, the selling company essentially stops doing business and the employees are no longer required. So this does trigger termination. And it does mean that those employees are entitled to severance. Right. Um, however, the answer to the question of when you know, a business is sold, do the employees get severance, also depends on whether or not the buyer company offers to continue the employment relationship, which oftentimes the buyer and seller, uh, you know, include as a term of the of the overall sale agreement. If the buyer offers to continue the employment relationship on substantially the same terms as before, 
then the employee has a legal obligation to accept the offer and common law severance is essentially forfeited no matter okay. what the employee decides to do about the offer. So if the employee accepts the offer, then they've mitigated their damages and that means no more severance. If the employee does not accept the offer on substantially similar terms, and that means that they failed to mitigate, and again, no more common law severance. Um, if the buyer company does not make an offer or makes an offer that is materially different from the position that the employee held before, then the employee can can legally turn the job down and, and is entitled right. to severance. Well, that kind of that kind of dovetails nicely into my next question. That is, what happens if the new company wants the employee to sign a contract, a new contract with them? Then what happens? Uh, well, uh, a lot of companies try to do that. Um, yeah. A lot of buyers seek good legal advice, and, and that's exactly what they try to do. Is is they put, uh, they try to put the employees on a new contract of employment, um, and and that matters. It matters a, a great deal uh, because, again, coming to the point that I. Uh, rambled on about earlier, a company is almost never going to, um, you know what, forget almost never, a company is never going to put a contract in front of you that is solely for your benefit. And that's particularly true in this situation, when the buyer company will be putting a contract in front of you, often just to limit its own liabilities. Um, And really, if you think about it from the perspective of the buyer, they're inheriting or making offers of employment to a whole crew of employees that they did an interview they don't know, they aren't familiar with, and maybe perhaps these employees don't fit with their corporate structure, uh, or there's a personality conflict or some other issue. It can be a very expensive tryout uh, if the buyer takes on the seniority of a 25-year guy that they then, for one reason or another, need to let go shortly after the sale. So nine times out of 10, the buyer will be putting a contract in front of you to limit that liability. Uh, they'll be asking you to sign a contract that either says that you agree that your prior years of service won't be recognized or that you agreed to receive your minimum entitlements on termination or both. Um, I recently spoke to a woman who had worked with the company for 17 years without a contract. And when her employer sold, the, the buyer offered her similar employment, but with a contract that explicitly refused to acknowledge her 17 years of service and put her on a termination provision. So that means that if she had accepted that and the buyer terminated her, her entitlements would be uh, eight weeks versus 18 to 20 months, which is a big difference. So uh, moral of the story is, you know, as with any contract of employment or offer letter or any piece of paper that you're being asked to put your name on, get it reviewed. Give us a call and uh, and have it reviewed. And if, I mean... <laughs> You can imagine now what somebody would just automatically, or at least thinking straightly, would not sign such a contract saying, I've given up 18 years of seniority. If you don't like me enough from now, you boot me out the door and I get very little. If they, if the employer, the new employer, throws that in front of you and you're like, you know what, I don't like the smell, sound, or taste of this, and you say no, what happens then? Well, I mean, it, it depends. So it's yeah. a good question. Um it, when I say that if the offer differs materially, a lot of people think that that just means that it's um, you know the key ones, like there's a reduction in duties or a demotion or a change in pay yeah. or a relocation, something like that. But it can also include being put on a contract for the first time. So if you work for the seller company for 17 years like this woman did without a contract, and then the buyer company makes you an offer that is exactly the same as it was before – but now adds in the contract that you know has a termination provision or, or non-competition right. agreement or anything like that, that employee may be legally entitled to turn it down. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually argued a case like this at the Court of Appeal and, and won. And in that case, the employee was actually offered money, greater money and greater responsibility. But the court agreed, the court agreed with my position that um, the sudden addition of a number of 
kind of onerous and uh, and restrictive clauses to the contract allowed her to legally turn that position down. So wow. there's a roundabout way of answering your question, which is to say you can turn it down and you're entitled to severance uh, from your prior company. And always get advice at number 604-283-3123. It's VancouverEmploymentLawyers.ca or emails Lior, L-I-O-R, at EmploymentHour.com. And for you to call in, still got time. Still got uh, about 15 minutes, give or take, to give us a call. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. The Employment Hour continues right here. News Talk 980 CKNW. And we're right back at it till 6 o'clock tonight here on the Employment Hour. Uh, Leah Moody in uh, doing the show tonight and will be from now on. Good to have you, you back at her. 604-280-9898, the number to call in in a few minutes here at star 9898 on cell. Until that time, Leah, we're talking about employee rights when it comes to uh, business being sold. So now the new company uh, put me on probation, let me go for nothing. Can they do that? No. No, they okay. cannot do that. <laughs> so, although the the new company can ask you to to sign a contract, like we were just talking about before the break, that says that you forfeit your common law severance entitlements, but all entitlements that are accrued under the Employment Standards Act continue to accrue, and you cannot contract out of this. So, this means that vacation pay, uh, vacation time, and your entitled to, entitlement to severance all continue to accrue regardless of what you sign. So although I, I guess they could technically put you on probation in name, uh, they would have to pay you severance under the Employment Standards Act if they wanted to let you go. And that severance would include uh, all your years of service. They can't let you go for nothing. So they could say they're putting you on promotion to a 25-year guy, but when push comes to shove, if he's let go, he's based on 25 years. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Talking about employee rights when a business is sold, what happens if an and we touched on this before the break, what happens if an employee does not want to take a job in the new company? Is there varying degrees of whether that's allowed or not? Yeah, I mean it, it all really depends on, on the kind of job that's offered. If it's if it's basically the same job, um you know, substantially similar is the is the term that we use, then you have a duty to mitigate that loss uh from your termination and accept that job. And this is this is the exact same obligation really that you have outside of the context of a corporate sales as well. Um, um, your duty to mitigate means that if you have the opportunity to replace your jo- lost job with a similar one, you need to take it. You're legally obligated to take it. If you don't, it means that you failed to mitigate and you're only entitled to your minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act. If it, if it is a substantially different job, and, and again, that could mean different pay, different position, Different hours go from days to nights, stuff Absol- like that. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Even oh. even a contract that's not really in your best interest, which which we were talking about as well. Um, you do not have to legally take it. You may wish to, of course, you know, for your own reasons. But but strictly legally speaking, you don't have to. And in that case, if you don't take it, you're entitled to severance from the original employer. So if it's something simple like you know what this is perfect timing this this is a good time for me to springboard into something else I've always wanted to try I want to go be a cobbler and make shoes I'm not going to take this job that's not good enough No no it's right. not <laughs> Yeah I have people call me all, all the time and say you know I I was working as an accountant in, in such and such firm and you know I, I really want to use this opportunity to to be a yoga teacher and that's right. wonderful I absolutely encourage you to to see that window open when the when the door closes uh, but that doesn't mean that the employer is going to be on the hook for that. So you have an obligation as a terminated employee to accept comparable employment and to look for comparable employment. If you don't do either of those things, then you are deemed to, to be failing to mitigate your damages and right. you will you, th- they'll suffer as a result. 
Lior at employmenthour.com is the email. We'll get to one from Henry. He says, I received a few warnings over the last three years with respect to my work performance. How many warnings do they need before they can let me go? Oh, and I, I wish there was a formula for this, you know, like yeah. some kind of chart. It'd be so nice. But there's there's really no golden rule in terms of the amount of warnings that an employer needs to, to give you in order to establish just cause. Um but just cause is very difficult to prove, and uh, and you know if this is with respect to performance issues, it's even more difficult. Um, generally, the employer needs to show that they've provided a number of clear warnings that your performance was inadequate, um, and a failure to improve would result in a termination for cause. So, Henry, you need to you need to have been told uh, a this is not acceptable, your performance is inadequate, and if you don't improve, uh, that will could give rise to a termination for cause. Um, your company will also need to. Show Show that you've been given an opportunity to improve. So you know you can't tell somebody your your performance sucks and you've got one week to fix this, or else you're being terminated for cause. You have to be given a real opportunity, a real chance to make it better, um, and that's including assistance from your superiors uh, to improve your performance. Um, and you know if if you've received some warnings recently, I would definitely recommend that you give us a call and, and yeah. we can come up with a strategy to try to prevent a termination for cause, or at least put you in a position to challenge a just cause termination if that comes to pass. That number, Henry, uh, 604-283-3123. I know, and you've, you've, you've made references several times during the show about how much severance summons you get based on years and, uh, you know, their job title. Severance pay calculator. I know this is something that the firm in Lior put together about four years ago. Wonderful tool. Give me some details about it. Yeah, so what the severance pay calculator is is that it's it's a website, an app that was created by my firm to help people uh, quickly and easily figure out what the range of their severance entitlements is. So, you know, we tell people all the time, call a lawyer, review the package before signing off on it. But we also understand that it, that can be really difficult in the moment. Yep. Um, you're shocked. You've lost your job. And, and the last thing on your mind is what some lawyer said on the radio. Yeah. Um, and the employer is putting pressure on you to sign it on the spot. But if you remember one thing, remember the severance pay calculator. If you can just remember to you know, excuse yourself to go to the bathroom, bring your smartphone with you, and then Google severance pay calculator or go to severancepaycalculator.com. You put in your age, your length of service, and the type of job that you worked at, and you will instantly know uh, what range you're entitled to. Now, we still recommend that you seek the advice of a lawyer because that range can change depending on the circumstances personal to you. Uh, you know, and ultimately that package should be reviewed to make sure that you're getting everything yes. that you're entitled to. So, you know, benefits, pension contributions, bonuses, all that, all that fun stuff. Uh, but at least the severance pay calculator will give you an idea of whether or not your employer is is in the ballpark. And that can help embolden you to say, I need more time and I'm gonna have this reviewed by a lawyer because it is your right to take time. It is your right to have it reviewed. Um, you know, we even recommend taking a look at it before a termination. You know, just yeah. go look at it right now, just in case the day ever comes, and then you can be armed with knowledge as to what you should be getting. It's free and it's easy to use, so so why not? Severancepaycalculator uh, severance gives you a quick look of, of what you might be entitled to. Excellent for another week, my dear. Welcome back. It's good to have you back. Thank in the you show. very Some much, good John. It's good there. to be back. It's been good. Now that we uh, wrap it up for another evening, the number is 604-283-3123, VancouverEmploymentLawyers.ca, and always there is email, Lior, L-I-O-R, at EmploymentHour.com, and as Leah just mentioned, SeverancePayCalculator.com as well. Till next time, this has been the Employment Hour right here on News Talk 980 CKNW. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.
WCKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.